an amazing conversation that I've been having with uh, Yingbot and Tom from uh, Nugget Nationals. Um, that is uh, incredibly sad. And yeah, so um, Ying and uh, Thomas, thank you for coming on the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah, like, I don't know what happened, but it, it just didn't, uh, it didn't record. And yeah, we, uh, oof, we almost had a podcast. Yeah, so uh, uh, fun stuff. Um, uh, redundancies are going to have to be a thing from moving on forward. Um, but yeah, uh, so no, I can I can just add that post. I have those things saved uh, for the intro. We we can we can continue hammering forth. Uh, yep. <laughs> sorry. Um, so we were we were going over uh, differences between um, LA and Australia, but one thing that I didn't um, ask you guys about, which was where are you guys actually located? Yeah, so both of us are in Melbourne, Australia. Okay, and um, for the series that you guys are running, uh, Nugget Nationals, which is uh, 1.5 liters and under, uh, 3,000 uh, Australian um, dollars um, and under for the purchase price of the car, and then you're allowed to add in another $2,000 um, in terms of modifications for the for the cars, right? okay and for those modifications what do you guys normally see people spending the money on is it normally wheels and tires or coilovers or um like power modification or what what do you guys normally see in terms of mods for those cars exactly so it's uh usually coilovers or wheels yeah, we'll stop it. Yeah, you're you're gonna have to talk into the mic a little bit uh, closer. Sorry, Tom. I was just saying, uh, wheels, tires, and coil—the most common uh, starting, I guess, starting mods for these cars. Okay. Not too much leeway to do a lot else. Um, so that's that's why they're the first things that are done. Okay, and we did touch on like the type of tires that were out there, and you guys mentioned that um, at least for the Honkook tires, that there's usually like deals with them, where it's like um, I think for the Honkook RS4s, um, where they're essentially uh, buy three get the fourth tire free. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the rules allow anything under one hundred that's so dope um and for the majority of the time you guys are running uh the 15 by sevens do you guys allow uh people to run uh 14 inch wheels or is that like just kind of too rare to really run those. Exactly right. Fifteen by seven is the maximum wheel that you can run. So you could run any wheel or in any Okay. So what is the go-to wheel for you guys? Is it because I know for us over here, the like. Um, it's almost like a meme where uh, the the cheap or rather the decent wheel that everybody gets is the Enki RPF ones. We have the exact same meme. We call it the Camry of wheels. Is the RPF one? We call it the RPF everyone's. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, um, and guilty as charged, I do have a set of RPF ones. I don't think Tom does though. Oh, what what wheels do you rock, Tom? I'm sorry, you're going to have to speak into the mic a little bit more. Sorry. Uh, sorry, I... A, a little better. Huh. Oh, I'm so sorry. So Tom had T37s on his nugget. Oh, uh, there I we go. Also, 
Yes, yes. Which I also ran on my name. Uh, both Tom and I have a few sets of wheels. Tom definitely has more than me. Um, wheel, he's a wheel truck. Huh. So we were talking about, like, uh, how, you know, fairly priced those uh, Hankook tires are for you guys over there. What what does a set of, like, um, RPF everyone's, or what are you guys looking at? in terms of a set of uh, used wheels for you guys? So the, the RPF everyone's aren't actually that too common in the series. Mm. Um, it's There's no real control wheel or wheel that people generally run. Uh, you've got some people who, like Tom and I, have wheels from a long time ago that were cheap. Uh, RTD 37 were definitely... Uh, they're the OGs, but they're definitely purchased in the sub-1,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, price range for Australia, and that's just because we've had them for so long. Uh, we're not dealing with that COVID inflation post. Hub. So we'll just find it an absolute variant. Some people are actually still running their OEM wheels. Uh, oh! Buddy. Yeah, buddy clubs. Uh, RPF ones are not what I would call the winger spec, which is the skinnier one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because the 15 by 8 with the actual better looking face on it uh, isn't eligible for our series so mm-hmm. it's a it's a complete um mishmash kind of smorgasbord of whatever wheels you could get is the wheels that people will have on their cars and some prioritize aesthetics um over price and mm-hmm. some were just lucky enough like tom and i to have uh, bought ogt 37s and they were like 800 dollars. and at the time no one wanted a 15 by 7 because that was you know, considered not aggressive enough, and now even they would be. I've seen T thirty seven specs for by hundred go for over three grand. So it's ridiculous. I would never pay that. <laughs> That's obviously. I don't know if people are buying them at that price, but they're definitely being advertised for really weird prices. So that's weird because um, for us over here, like if you rocked TE. 37s on a golden era honda like you were the shit like your build was like high class like the instagram likes would flow so easy um this was obviously before uh instagram but yeah 15 by 7s are actually pretty popular size more more people obviously go with the by eights and especially the track community um definitely a wider Mm -hmm. wheel ends up uh having a little bit better performance but that's interesting that they were so low because I remember I got a set of uh, TE37s for a sub um, sub 1K um, not that long ago and people were losing their shit about that. And yeah, it, it wasn't just one set, it was two sets, but yeah. Oh, see? There's, a, there's an area that you win as well. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's because I I knew a baller uh, racer that was getting out of the series, and he just uh, didn't know how to price things. And I said yes when he told me he was looking at uh, selling his wheels. He was like, hey, man, you want to buy these wheels? And I'm like, no, man, I don't have the money for it. And he's like, "Uh, what would be a good price? I'm like, I don't want to lowball you. These are nice wheels, and yeah, they're used or whatever. And he's like... How about this price? And I'm like, I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to get these wheels. Twisted my arm. Oh, man. Yeah. And I, I remember, and, and this is where I'm like really lucky because my fiance is into cars as well. Um, and we share the car um, when we go out uh, track driving. So there's always like, I imagine you, uh, Ying and Thomas, if you guys ever share a car or jump into each other's car, you deal with the like uh, issue of uh, having to reach the pedals and the steering wheel at the same time can be a, a, a struggle. <laughs> That's correct. Um, so I'll firstly just say Tom and I are Nugget Nationals partners, but we're not actually partners. Oh. Um, I, have, I have, however, driven his Civic and definitely had a cushion behind the seat, <laughs> barely fully clutching, and it was still, still one of the greatest moments i've had on track driving that civic and i was like oh now i understand why you told me to buy hondas all this time but of course me being very stubborn sunk cost fallacy i just kept buying toyotas after that it's okay like 90 percent of like my close friends who i i drove with um back when we were being idiots in the back roads um they all drive uh toyotas they all have like as they call them shitties um so 
you know, AE86 prices are kind of uh, going on an astronomical uh, rise higher than like GameStop back when people were trying to short it. Um, so like they drive stuff that, as they call it, is like an AE86. So it's the generation before it. So they drive like, I think it's a TE72. You, you might know those yep. cars a little bit better, but they have beam yeah. swaps into it. I'll I'll have to yep. send you some pictures of him. One of them has a wagon, and he did a can anger the uh, can I can never say that type of uh, suspension, but the can lever can lever uh, suspension uh, mod onto the rear just because he was cheap and wanted to use like Olin shocks from a motorcycle for like fifty bucks. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we could be friends. Oh, I think if you came out to the SoCal region, you you could definitely find a lot of like-minded people that would go to um, kind of the, we call it a Grange or Apple Valley Motorsports Park, which is in the middle of the desert, like literally in the middle of the desert. And I think Streets of Willow, those are known as our budget track days. Um, Yeah. I so, have seen some footage from, from uh, Streets of Willow. Yeah. Which that, looks like a great time. <laughs> it, it's kind of like, and uh, again, uh, I always have to check myself uh, with uh, the gatekeepingness of, of this. Um, it feels like kind of uh, track the rewards um, kind of auto X inputs where it's really aggressive inputs. Uh, me being a smoother driver, um, I use that um, excuse into why I don't like really going to that track when you have like, (laughs) yeah, it's just like I've gone to the neighboring track, which is like literally the track closest to it. And it's Big Willow. And that's one of my favorite tracks because you could really upset high horsepower cars in that one. Oh, okay. I feel we might enjoy the same kind of tracks then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I had uh, one of my... One of the people that I instructed, he had a Kia Rio, which I'm sure you you would appreciate this. Um, and we were chasing down this Corvette through one of the high-speed sections. Um, and because he can't stay in the gas, and we have a Kia Rio, so it's flat out anyways, um, we were able to get him on the front straight because we came out with like <laughs> 10 miles an hour. I, I think I'll, I'll send that one, and you can show it to Tom, uh, that video. And it, it was pretty funny because I, I was telling my student, we're going to catch him. We're going to catch him. Watch. So, yeah, I, I love I'll doing that. What What is the Corvette for you guys over there out on track days? Uh, so Corvettes um, never really sold in this room. Yeah, but do you have, like, one yeah. of the big horsepower cars that, uh, you know, um, as we call them over here, boomers uh, like to drive, like I, I guess like Commodores or like Holdens yeah. or Falcons something. Exactly. Commodores and Falcons. Ah. Old Commodores, Ford Falcons, they would be the guys, guys are a bit older, uh, plenty, plenty of horsepower, plenty of strength on handling. Uh huh. There so- is a, um, there's an in car YouTube clip of me at. And half the clip is silent because I'm behind a Ford Falcon. Uh-huh. And it's just a stream of cuss words of me driving. Like, let me by. I'm quicker than you in the corners. Like, obviously couldn't take him on the straight. Oh. And I'm like, this video, I'm like, I can't post this video because <laughs> no one should say this many swear words in a row. It, but it just would have been easier. I would have I would have left him alone. He would have had a great time. I would have had a great time. <laughs> I've, I've definitely experienced those kind of things. Oh my god! So this is an ongoing meme between me and another podcaster from ni- ninety one Octane because he went out to a competition and there was a red Corvette in front of him holding him up the entire session, and it was a hot day. So like after that, you know your your track temps um, go up and your lap times just go down. So he he just got like blocked by this Corvette and it wouldn't let him pass. I think. He got a picture where it's like, it's right at the the angle where you can see the outline of his car right behind him. And it looks like they're parked together at how close they are. <laughs> uh, so the Ford Falcon is the Corvette of 
of Australia. So if you're out there with a momentum car, a, a nugget, if you will, um, and you see a guy with a Ford Falcon out there, what what are the telltale signs of like, oh, this person is not going to let me pass? Generally, I thought it's a Ford Falcon would be. <laughs> I love we it. We are we are quite lucky though because because we run uh, the Nugget series and we generally do fill up. Um, all our events are full of predominantly nuggets. Mm-hmm. We do have in our driver's briefing, and you might need to censor this, we do clearly say we've got a no dickheads policy. Um, <laughs> it is about... It's about <laughs> we've been quoted many times saying that. Um, it is very much... Uh, we tell them at the start, we're like, you will not get a great lap time or a PB if you are in someone's way or they're in your, in your way. Mm-hmm. So just be courteous and let the guy through. This might not be the lap for you, but the next one can be the lap for you. So we are really um, strict on making sure everyone has a just an enjoyable day because we saw that we didn't like it when we went to other people's track days and we had that experience because, you know, our cars are typically not seen by people outside of our community as very capable on track. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we were used to that kind of, uh, approach from drivers with high horsepower cars. Um, so we definitely wanted to make sure that we had a series that um, mm-hmm. was the opposite of that, which is, hey, everyone, be really nice to each other and we'll all, like, we'll all get fast together. Um, so that's so we're lucky in that sense. It doesn't happen so much in our days. Uh, we're very heavy-handed on that approach to make sure people Good. have fun. Um, but when we take our nuggets to other tracks and other people's track days, which we do, uh, mm-hmm. that's when we start to experience that kind of um, boomer energy. I love that. Uh, I love that there's uh, such a strong parallel between that. And um, I'm definitely adding the Ford Falcon as the uh, red Corvette for that. Is there a specific color of a Ford Falcon that you're like, oh, this is this is this has all the vibes of no point plays are going to be given? So we do, we do have the Mustang memes are also common here. <laughs> Whenever we see a Mustang, we're like, oh, like stay away from it. <laughs> oh, they are good at finding crowds, but yeah, yeah, we we. <laughs> no, no, no offense to Mustang drivers. I I have a lot of friends who um do have them, and uh, they are listeners. So much love to you guys. But the memes are good. The memes are good. <laughs> um. So, go go ahead, Tom. Sorry, we don't want to be too hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely be inclusive um, to to people because you know just because they chose a bad car, it's not their fault. You know, we all make mistakes. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, people definitely say the same thing about what we drive. Though. So, um, yeah, we, yeah, it is yeah. just. It is. We have a lot of love for the, the yeah. motorsport community and the track community. Um, so yes, thanks, Tom, for saving me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I go through it as well. I'm I'm driving a wrong wheel drive car. I, if uh, I was smart, I would have a E36 or E46 a BMW M3, and um, things would just be way easier for me uh, based off of that. And yeah, yeah, but you know some. Sometimes you, you got to drive with what you like. And um, one of the things that you mentioned that I really, really enjoy is that kind of like push for no dickheads uh, energy or, or, or that, that specific rule. Because, you know, th- this is something that I talked to um, Adam about in grid life. And, you know, for me, especially nowadays, um, you know, having a supportive uh, environment to go to is so key. And even though you guys are driving quote unquote nuggets or whatever, like somebody's spending their hard earned money to go out there. And like, this is the one time where they get to go away from the office and go out and do something fun. And the worst thing that you can have is something that you love and enjoy be ruined by, as you called it, some dickhead. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, we did have, um, last year we had some motoring journalists come out and just write um, a story about what Nuggets was about. And one of the key comments he said to us was, I've never been to a competitive motorsport series where the other competitors are cheering when someone does a PB. 
So um, that's definitely the environment that we had hoped to foster. So it's good that uh, people have been attracted to what what we like and they bring that same kind of nice, wholesome energy where you can anyone can join. You don't have to have money. We're all equal because we're all in nuggets and mm-hmm. uh, you'll be welcomed by your competitors as well. That's awesome. That's so cool. And honestly, having the vibes be like, good at your organization is something that's going to translate well in terms of bringing new people in. Um, earlier we were talking about um, the whole history of uh, Nugget Nationals um, that has been nine years in the making and you've gone from sharing um, organizations um, track time to now doing it yourselves and getting up to, if I'm not mistaken, 70 cars to compete? Yeah, that's a run. So that was seventy cups, and pretty much with Nugget Cup. Nice. So, what are the tracks that you guys normally run for this Nugget Cup? Like, is it like based off of a season points, um, running all 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 year, or what? What are the tracks that you guys normally run for this series? Yeah, that's right. Per year. We do two events at a place called Winston Raceway, Victoria. So that's a total of four different tracks? Including that one that you're saying that was originally a motorcycle truck uh, circuit. Uh, spring track. Okay. Huh. That's really cool. Um, and I'm guessing most of those tracks are kind of the smaller and more technical. Um, so not really one of the big high horsepower tracks, if you will. Okay, so a mile and a half. Not not that bad. That sounds that sounds fun. Um, yeah, so we we do have in Melbourne. We've got some high horsepower tracks. Uh, we've got Phillip Island, which is the MotoGP circuit, which um, is actually predominantly used by cars. Uh, when they're not doing MotoGP. Okay. We've got Sandown Raceway, and then we've got quite a, a smattering of skid pan areas around uh, where the drifters normally go. Mm-hmm. We've also got Calder Park, which has just started to reopen, and um, probably another two other additional tracks as well. So there's another reason to move here. Melbourne's got a really high concentration of <laughs> motorsport venues. So before um, I figured out we were um, we we're not recording, um, Ying and I were going back and forth and uh, trying to compare and contrast. Um, it's Melbourne, right? I don't want to get confused. Yep. Melbourne and uh, LA. And I, I think, I, I guess the only comparison would be, um, I guess, Sydney in terms of like a, a bigger, well-known city. But I think the comparison to Sydney might be more fair to compare to like New York in terms of cost. But so far from what we've been talking about, um, from gas to prices of nuggets, um, I mean, it, it's it's all been kind of like a positive on, over there in Australia, and it's 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 kind of hurtful. I, I have to admit, um, especially going by the fact that you guys are able to get Honda Fits for what it seems like um, a U.S. equivalent, at least as of today, um, like two thousand U.S. dollars, which is wild to me. That is insanely wild, and of course, no rust. So. Yeah, no rust. Not uh, not too much snow in any of our main cities. <laughs> uh, so on average, um, we were talking about um, like the distance that you guys drive for a race uh, event. So 
since you're driving nuggets, I'm guessing you guys put like a bunch of spare parts or spare wheels or something and then just like hammer down on the highway and go to the racetrack. What's your average commute time to your tracks? Oh, two and a half hours? Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's uh decent. That's that's pretty decent actually. And do you guys have it set up with your um like highway roads where you have to pay for uh to use them or are those like free to use? I you've got options here. So oh, for okay. The more affluent among us, we would take toll roads. Uh for someone like myself, I'm definitely trying to avoid paying extra toll costs uh whenever I can. Mm-hmm. The cost would be to run from like one side of the state to the other side of the state would probably be about seven dollars Australian, just one way okay. in tolls. So it's it's not actually that bad. But, no, that's um, actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and um, and that's like a two-hour drive, right? Is what you're saying? Two two and a half hours to Winton, and then our other tracks are all a bit closer at about one and a half hours. They're just yeah. in completely different directions. That's all. Damn, so only, that's, that's actually decent, because I just came back from uh, Pittsburgh, um, and I was um, kind of thrown off because it's very mountainous where I was at, and very green, which I was kind of shocked about. I I kept on asking how their sprinkler system uh, worked, and uh, how much their water (laughs) cost would be, um, where they were very confused about that. and I would have to pay a toll, I think, since I didn't have the easy pass, which was like $3.30. And I was staying like about 20 minutes from the racetrack um, to jump in. So, yeah, that's that's definitely beyond reasonable. That's really, really nice. And in SoCal, I think there's like maybe two or three places where you can get like a speed pass. But for the most part, you don't pay... Um, to be parked in the traffic that we have. So in terms of like traffic, because I imagine that Melbourne being a major city, is there like certain times that if you're going out to the racetrack, do you go like, Oh, I'm going to go right after work at like five or six o'clock whenever you get off. Or is it something where you're like, no, I'm going to wait two hours for the traffic to die down and then uh, drive out to the, to the track. Um, maybe you could expect if you go out at the peak time, then you might take fifty percent longer. Yeah, an extra thing. Oh, so fifty percent longer. Wow. You you wouldn't specifically avoid hiding your house. Oh wow. That's yeah, that's pretty rough. That's that's kind of what I I expect I experience over here. We used to have a racetrack called the auto club speedway and that was in an inhabited area so that was always uh kind of nice to go to because you could um exit and get like real food instead of like just the normal like truck stop food and Yeah. yeah it's like about i think in terms of distance it'd be like about a 40 minute drive with no traffic but with traffic you could get up to two hours it's kind of ridiculous I think it was like about 40 miles away from us. So, yeah, like everything in LA is going to take at least a half an hour, no matter where you're going. And I, I mean, like, uh, Ying and I were, were talking earlier about uh, public transport and how great it is. And I live six miles from work, and my commute time, because there's no public transportation that's realistic varies between 15 minutes to i had to take about an hour and 20 minutes at one time oh. at what point do you just start walking <laughs> i i mean at that point it kind of felt like that because the traffic was backed up until uh the driveway for my work and i'm just like um i can't i can't leave like this is ridiculous uh, i don't know because we have to deal with fires and of course i i know about um the reese well, I think it's been like a year or two since you guys had like really bad forest fires. Yeah, 
we do get them in Australia, but um, we've, we've got this bizarre thing we do where I think 99% of the population lives in like 5% of Australia. Mm-hmm. So when you do get those bushfires, um, the, the impact is limited. It is still absolutely awful for mm-hmm. people that do live out rurally. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the city folk, we generally aren't too impacted by it. Um, but it is, yeah, still, there's a lot of area to burn in Australia and it can get super hot there. But I know in the everywhere, really, even in the States, in um, Canada, there's heaps of bushfires going on. So, Yeah, I mean, okay. where I live is actually kind of really scary because, um, like, I've had um, a couple times in, in the condo that we live in, where the fires have been less than a mile from my home. So, oh. yeah, it, it gets uh, pretty scary. And, That's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it, we've, we've had only, I think, one time we were asked to evacuate because of the fires because they were getting really, really close. Um, but, yeah, like, the it can be really scary. So I completely sympathize with you guys in um, the forest fire situations. So we we talked earlier about what are the typical cars um, that compete in the Nugget Nationals. And um, I think Yugen was saying that it was usually Fitz and uh, Yaris's. Um, I, you mentioned that you had an Echo. What car do you think uh, should be running uh, Nugget Nationals, but you don't see that much? I think at this stage, given that we're in our ninth year, mm-hmm. we've probably seen them all. We didn't expect so many Hyundais to show up or Hyundais. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really been a result of the Japanese cars uh, being purchased and snapped up very quickly or starting to fall outside of the price range. So I think probably... To answer your question in reverse, we were surprised that uh, so many Hyundai started coming in. So we've got oh. Hyundai Gets and Hyundai Accents, Hyundai Excels. Hmm. Um, so that's really what uh, some people have started to move towards as the Japanese hatchbacks have started to go up in price. Okay. That being said, though, they can still be found. You just wait a bit longer to find that car, whereas you could buy a Hyundai any day of the week for Probably five hundred to a thousand Australian dollars. Five hundred to a thousand, and we're talking about cars that are in good running condition and are quote unquote like. I know you guys have that whole uh, engineer thing going. Um, that that a car has to pass the engineering or something like that. Um, so those cars are like road legal. It's a car that would be close enough. Road legal, but it would be something. You wouldn't hesitate to go buy this car and drive it. Oh, so they would still need some work um, for them to pass, um, I guess, what you guys would call uh, road safety or something like that. Oh, that's interesting. And we're usually talking pretty um, pretty just standard general wear and tear. Like uh-huh. you would have to replace your tires, maybe your brake pads and your rotors uh, if they'd been sitting around or they were just um, absolutely destroyed. So not a, not a huge onus. We're not talking you know, major repairs to a car, just general wear and tear items okay. would have to get fixed up for a roadworthy certificate. And when you guys do, because uh, again, like I know that in California, we have this um, kind of notion of how strict we are with our vehicles, but you'd be surprised about the like ratchet crap that, uh, that people drive out here. Um, so, Essentially, with California, as long as your car passes emissions, they do not care that your tires are on wires, um, they're sparkers, like body damage. If you got tape over a window, like, fine, whatever, no one's going to bother you. I mean, it looks ratchet as hell. Um, I've seen people use trash bags to, like, cover their rear window when it's um, <laughs> smashed out. Like, there's somebody in our... In our um, neighborhood that actually has that like a piece of uh, uh plastic uh covering a rear quarter on their suburban um and taped up so i i mean we have a lot of leeway over there so it's interesting that you guys have that and i'm guessing emissions uh wise you you guys are also pretty strict yeah we're pretty strict um 
Find it straight. There's no regulation of vehicles here. Mm-hmm. So, like, anything that's OBD2 or newer, you guys have to, like, pl- plug it into a scanner and verify that it's good for engineering, that it's not, like, have a bad catalytic converter or uh, oxygen sensor or something like that? A car that wants to go on the road, you can get something called a road Mm-hmm. Like the engine. Usually, the person checking wouldn't check the OBD2. They wouldn't check anything. Uh, safety stuff like brakes and tires. Mm-hmm. Oh, but if it had like a check engine light, then it, it wouldn't be um, considered roadworthy. Or <laughs> oh, okay. You get that friendly engineer, and then uh, you you give an extra tip, and then it's fine. Okay, I get it. I get it. We have some people that are like that over here. You, you can you can find them. They're very hard to find, but you can find them. Yeah, it's definitely getting harder to find here. But I will just call out that there is a distinct difference here between someone who does a roadworthy, which is a licensed roadworthy mechanic, mm-hmm. and when you would use an engineer here. Okay. So you would go to an engineer to certify a modification that you had done to the car. And we actually have an engineer in the chat right now. So I'll, um, any questions now go to Tom. Okay. So, and and mind you, again, in SoCal, you could put coilovers. You could do um, what my friends like to call it, Mexi flush, where the wheels poke out of the guards. Um uh what is it and for trucks we have a sen sen cal style which is uh essentially really thin uh wall uh tires on lifted pickup trucks with like big chrome wheels so you're looking like a 40 series sidewall like on a 20 inch wheel and they're like kind of poking out like two feet past the guards so all of that uh, it would not fly in in uh australia Pretty much. Some, some of those things you can do without, without getting a strike with the police. Uh-huh. So modifications will, will uh, attract police attention, it seems like what you're saying. Yes. Absolutely. Much. Absolutely. So, so while we mention that these are things that one should seek an engineer for, I, see. Uh, I would say there's a definitely a large pocket of people that would not and just hope for the best (laughs) (laughs) oh so it because ah man there are some again i i wish we had like an instagram page of like ratchet cars of socal because there are seen some of the stuff i'm like how are they allowed to run cars with no bonnets (laughs) i've just seen some crazy stuff and i'm like i wouldn't you wouldn't just wouldn't you'd almost be arrested for doing that here. <laughs> oh man, like I, I've seen people like when it rains, we always have uh, issues where people crash here in SoCal because everybody's running on slicks. Like I, I've I've seen like even my aunt where I'm like, dude, your tires are showing wires. Like I'm ratchet, but that's because I know how ratchet I am and how how to push the envelope, but you're daily driving like why is this going bad like you shouldn't have your inner part of your tire all worn out i got negative five degrees of camber on my car you know something ridiculous yours is stock it shouldn't be doing this like there's something incredibly wrong and then she's like oh, okay i'll look into buying tires i'm like you need them now <laughs> so yeah like would I'll... you get pulled over for that never if a... oh okay we would we get measured for, like, if you get a particular Measure? unhappy cop that day, you will get done for unroadworthy tires, not enough tread. Not enough tread? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think, like, half of the cars driving in Southern California would fail that test. Like, they're on, like, some 700 uh, treadwear-level tire, and they're bald as hell. Like, the inside's probably poking out wires, like... That's like 50% of the cars that I see around me 
like yeah no it's it's wild out don't here. get me wrong i'm not this is definitely not a high and mighty thing because there are some absolutely ratchet cars here too mm-hmm. i've got a set of tires which i call my forever tires so yes they look like they have enough tread but they're just completely rock hard like you would not really truly be able to stop or <laughs> turn very quickly on them but they look fantastic so they're the ones that get passed around you know when people need to <laughs> to pass oh. a a particular test or anything so yes we we definitely we have that element but it is much more strict and the police will definitely if they saw canvas they would be pulling you over wow that's wild that would never happen here that would honestly that would never happen like unless you're riding on the rim the police officer is not going to pull you over for a tire condition huh that's wild um so measured oh wow that's again that's crazy and those hard rock tires that you have do they ever check the um like expiration date or the manufacturing date because after six years they're supposed to be replaced uh i've not personally been checked for them (laughs) that's all i'll say there (laughs) but like you these are calculated risks right i'm aware of the limitations of those i'm not um like, for example, I would never let my mother drive all those tires. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's also, like, you're you're also aware when you're driving, like, your quote-unquote bad tires. I'm not going to, you know, tailgate or I'm going to keep a safe distance because I know these aren't going to stop. Like, you don't know how much distance you'll need to stop, but you know how much you have. So you try and make that, like, gap be uh, realistic. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we we mentioned um, earlier in the pod uh, about um, prices and, and and pain points uh, for me here in uh, Los Angeles. We, we we've been taking L's, people. Honestly, uh, there's been a lot of L's being taken. I think. So far, Ying and uh, Thomas have been showing me that cars are cheaper over in Australia. They're less, uh, apparently less mileage. All of my cars are, are, are traumatizing these people. Um, my 300K plus cars. Uh, although my, my eighth generation Civic, that one's like only at 160,000. So for you guys, that's probably like ready to be scrapped. Um, but yeah, it, it's... It's so wild, and I find it really interesting, the differences and similarities uh, between us. And you mentioned distance for track days. I think for most people in SoCal, um, a two-hour drive to a track day, I think on average, would be kind of similar. For me, um, I'm pretty lucky in that I'm 50 minutes away from uh, one of our tracks, and then like an hour and 20 from another one, then I, I don't go to the one that's uh, three hours away because that's just too far and I'm bougie like that. Um, but so that track that Tom's talking about, that's about two and a half hours. Uh-huh. It depends on what side of town you're from. So from mm-hmm. my side, it's actually three hours. See, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. yeah that makes more sense. Yeah, and like for my buddy John um, – Going out to like Button Willow, that's like a full three hours uh, drive for him because he has to tow as well, and he's from yeah. way further out, and I'm a lot closer. Um, so, and again, I'm this isn't an attack on you guys, um, but what does an average track day cost for like a person? Let's say I want to go out there and do a uh, one track day. Um, on a Saturday, what is the, like the going rate for your guys' track day? You don't have to tell me yours, but like kind of on the average. Again, not an attack. I just want to compare and contrast. Um, well, we use an example of the then we run and other, other companies run. So, uh, well, one more time, Thomas. It, it was it's really low. Sorry. Um, you're looking at $400. For one day? Yes. For the bigger trucks. Damn. Damn. Yeah, that's like East Coast prices. Um, I know that me and um, Adam Jabay from Gridlife have talked about 
like track days and he's <clears throat> and i think you guys are going to be absolutely floored by this but our our track days here in socal they're they're way way cheap so right now i'm looking you guys at have space for one Australian girl to randomly show up in SoCal. I've heard about how cheap your track days are, and it makes me so sad here. Yeah, so, like, for my track day, um, again, to my nearby track, which is Big Willow, and doing the big track, um, that one, I, I think I'm looking at doing one that's going to be about... Well, I missed the early sign-up already, and I just didn't want to commit the money for it. But now that it's the late sign-up, it's $120 for the day for four sessions, four 20-minute sessions. Uh, if I got in there earlier, it would have been uh, $100 for the event. Yeah. Yeah. So our hill climbs are fairly cheap. Uh, they're mm-hmm. like $100. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. That motorbike track we were talking to, uh, talking about a bit earlier, that's about $200. So you tend oh. to get up to the $300 and $400 range when you're talking about um, the bigger tracks, ones that uh, like V8 supercars would run at. Um, so they're definitely uh, at a higher tier and the venues are de- very differently set up to allow for professional motorsport. So mm-hmm. you see that pass is definitely being uh, passed on. Sorry, that cost is being passed on to anyone that then hires the track for grassroots motorsport as well. Yeah, we had that um, for, like, especially for our AAA track, which was the NASCAR track. Um, So that one was one of the more expensive ones. I think for me to race in Honda Challenge, it was looking at about $700 for two days. So that one's kind of expensive. And, again, not not, not, uh, throwing anyone under the bus, but these are costs. Um, so like one of our premier tracks here in so well California being Laguna Seca and anybody who's driven Gran Turismo I'm sure has driven that track I want it's my bucket list track to drive so I'm super excited and that I'm going to be joining um, Adam Jabay out at that track Um, but Thankfully, since I'm instructing, I'm not going to take the hit of that uh, cost because the cost for the weekend. And mind you, there's also like um, an asterisk there because they usually have decibel warnings. So you can't go beyond a certain decibel or else you get kicked out. So he secured two no decibel limit um, track days at Laguna Seca. And I think for the weekend, it's uh, $1,200. Oh. <laughs> okay, you win. We're taking the loss on that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, uh, on average, you can spend about $200 per day for, like, a Button Willow, Chuck Walla, or a Big Willow track day organization. Like, that's kind of like the going rate for one day. Weekend, you're looking at about four to $500 with like a sanctioning body where you have scrutineers and you get your car weighed and sometimes they'll have like a dyno there to for compliance and whatnot. But like, for instance, uh, our national championship that was held at Pittsburgh, I think that one was about $1,000 for the early sign up, And that was Friday, Saturday and Sunday for uh, competition use. So yeah, I, I feel, I feel like they're SoCal has is is a bit more spoiled with the uh, cheaper track days, but East Coast and um, Northern California, I feel like the prices were probably closer to what you guys are are feeling out there. When um, I'm sorry, could you say that one more time, Tom? Um, Oh, so the uh, car count. So, um, for instance, um, one of the biggest classes for wheel-to-wheel racing here in the U.S. is actually called the Spec Miata. So, on average, a healthy size for just that run group itself, you're looking at about 20 20 to 30 uh, cars in Spec Miata. Next one up is um, 
spec e30 which is 1980s uh bmw m3s you're looking at about 15 uh car count then our growing class that's uh getting really really popular is spec e46 and that one's routinely getting into the 20 uh car markup um usually in the low teens if it's a low turnout so those are like kind of what you would expect plus they do um like nasa does uh, hpde programs so it's usually about 20 cars per group and they go into four different groups bearing on uh, driver experience so that's where you could take like a nugget without a roll cage and just like an sa rated um uh helmet and uh go out there and do lapping um just for education if you will so yeah i would say um in total for like an organization like nasa for cars uh driving i would say a hundred cars would be a low car number count but a hundred would be kind of average here in socal i know other regions say they have bigger groups and when it comes to nationals it's even bigger than that so yeah yeah cool yeah so you guys doing 70 of nuggets that sounds so dope like i i wish i could go out there and see one of those and apparently buy a nugget because it's not that hard um to find (laughs) over there find like a fit uh for stupid cheap and then figure out how to ship it back over to the u.s i don't know (laughs) so since uh we've been talking about nuggets and you know how easy they are to bring into um into just lapping days what are the requirements for the drivers like aside from like a proper helmet i'm sure you guys don't allow like motocross helmets or something like that right okay you can run any helmet but it's approved to ride a motorcycle okay does include a motorcycle okay so barrier of entry is really really low then that's good yeah you do need long Mm-hmm. I, I see the, I see the in the US and guys in shorts. It's wild. You guys are wild. Wait, wait, wait. One more time. What have you seen? Uh, guys in shorts. Oh, yeah. I, I always get upset with that. I'm like, dude, like even the, the rules say like, hey, you need to put that stuff. But I think if you're seeing shorts and stuff like that and t-shirts, you're looking at a lot of, and again, not trying trying to throw anyone under the bus or anything like that. But if you look at the drifting community, that's some <laughs> ratchet. That is some ratchet, was, ratchet people. I was going to say we. That's probably the only time in Australian motorsport you would see shorts and t-shirts, <laughs> uh, because it's not. It's just not allowed in any of the more circuit or grip orientated motorsport here. I don't know what is it about that. Um, I remember I was seeing, I was out at one of the tracks uh, called Adams and or Apple Valley Speedway, and I saw somebody like doing a ride along, and they had like short shorts and a tank top and like a helmet, and I'm like, oof, and it was like a swapped car that was like really loud, and I think it was leaking oil, and I'm like, man, like you guys are. You guys are wild. This is some ratchet (laughs) stuff. I'm like, come on, man. Like, this is not good. Like, I can I can almost forgive a t-shirt versus a long sleeve, but like, man, like going out there in a tank top. Like, come on. Hmm. So besides the helmet, there's no other like um, because there's I, I noticed that um on track days with um like people over in England they have their windows rolled up. Are are you guys required to have your windows rolled down? Because that's a requirement for us here in SoCal. Wait, wait, so up on that? Oh, okay. Just, no. just not halfway. They just need to pick. They can't have it halfway, but they can have it all the way up or all the way down. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I imagine like when you're pointing someone by, especially when you're 
Well, for you guys, if you're pointing someone by on the left-hand side, you would uh, stick your hand in over and pointing out uh, to point someone by. So having the windows up there, that, that would probably be easier to have the point by happen. So that's interesting. Interesting. Um, we talked earlier and we mentioned um, how jealous I am of Ying's um, Yaris and um, the fact that you have the GR Yaris. But, you know, I think we need to go over again. This this trauma, uh, I feel like it's important to, to share. Uh, over here in the, in the SoCal region, we're dealing with essentially um, price gouging from MSRP. So if you will, Ying, again, what did you get your GR Yaris for? So I'll just say they, uh, I'm not sure if we covered it in this component, Yeah. but the by law in Australia, dealerships are not allowed to sell cars for over the recommended retail price. Uh, there are ways around this, but by law they are legally. Mm-hmm. Yep. When the GR Yaris was first introduced to Australia in 2020, they had a introductory price that the first 1,000 orders were available at $39,990 Australian dollars. Um, and I think he worked out that to be about 24 of US. Yeah, it's about 25,000 US. So for the price of what you would pay for like a Kia uh, or a Hyundai Elantra, you could get a GR Yaris in Australia. And yes, am I salty about that? Yes. Uh, are we paying on average $10,000 more than uh, MSRP just because? Absolutely. Um, s- some wild numbers are like, if you look at the new Corvette, there are some people putting putting like $80,000 US on top of it. I think I saw a post for a GR Corolla where they put $30,000 on top of the like $60,000 so it was pretty much $100,000 for a Corolla, and that is abusive. So, yeah, you guys have us handily beat over there. So I, I really appreciate that you guys are doing your best to keep this uh, overinflation uh, in check. And it is still happening. Uh, there are ways that deals get around it, selling it to someone else, and then mysteriously the car will pop up. Um, but it is, I think it might be part of Aussie culture as well to really pull that out um, and get super angry about it. <laughs> Enough so that the dealerships um, are really conscious if their name is attached to something like that, um, because we will definitely complain here. Yeah, I mean, I I know that every automotive person out here is complaining, but sometimes <laughs> just like, the lack of uh, supply has really forced the hand of a lot of regular consumers. Yeah. I know that, um, like, at one point, um, they were charging a premium on, like, Kias and Hyundais just because the supply was so low. So people were paying over stickers for, like, a Kia minivan, and I'm just like, I am I think there's something wrong with that. Uh Society's broken. (laughs) Society is absolutely broken when we're paying over MSRP for um, Kias and Hyundais. I mean, I'm from the generation where you could lowball a brand new uh, dealership uh, for a car and be like, yeah, I'll I'll leave here with $5,000 under MSRP. And yeah, those days are long gone. So Yeah, definitely. For for Thomas and for you, I want to know, what is the dream car for you guys? Um, since, obviously, we're dealing with um, different importing rules and different um, things that are not available for our marketplace. So I, I want to know, like, for Thomas, what is uh, your dream car that you can't get in Australia right now? Could be old, it could be new. A car that I would love that I can't buy in Australia. Is a C6 Z06 Corvette. Oh, look at you. Uh, a C06 Corvette. And uh, the Corvettes never came out there uh, for you guys? Not officially brought in my sheds. Uh, there's quite a few in Australia. Uh, imported. Okay. 
So a C6, CO6, uh, Corvette. Let's see what they're going for in uh, Marketplace. So that's the one with the fixed headlights or the pop-up still? Okay, well, for the pop-up headlights, the cheapest that I'm looking at around here, we're looking at about a 2002 one for 17,000 US. And then um, for the fixed headlights one, let me see, what am I able to find? It, it looks like those are above 20, 20,000. So yeah, that, that's about like what they're going for here. What about you, uh, you Ying? Um, if we were not able to get the GIRS in Australia, I would definitely be my <laughs> What about the GR uh, Corolla? No, not into it. Damn. Not even no, that. I'm not going to go on that because I've owned all the P chassis turns, which has definitely all the small ones, mm -hmm. do still have Scarlet. Uh, the Echo will be the GIRS. It's very logical that I would, because we love the GIRS, which I do. So every time I see it outside, I'm still like. Huh. But because I have my other dream car that we can't get in Australia would be what I mentioned earlier, which is the KP61 Scarlet. So, oh. Scarlet. I love them so much. We can't, we can't get them here. It just takes a bit of effort and a bit of money. Um, uh -huh. So one of them is like a 4AG. Or if for some reason I was rich one day, I put it. So it, I, I'm gonna hurt you a little bit in, with this. Uh, my buddy uh, Ziggler, who's my Toyota head buddy, um, he sold his uh, Starlet, um, and he had it really nicely done up. He had coilovers on it, fully redone. Um, he had a, a decent uh, 4AGE power plant on it making like good power he ended up selling it for about five thousand us oh, um, Ziggler, are you killing me <laughs> why do you, we needed to have been friends and then that could have been sold to me i mean we yeah, sold we sold the fox body mustang uh to someone in australia when we had it and um it, it got shipped out there so we have experience in my friends group uh to send that one out but for me, the car that I would want that I don't have access to is apparently a 2007 Honda Fit is for $2,000. <laughs> That's in I good running condition uh, with like 100,000 miles. Yeah, I will take that I've every noticed, day. <laughs> I've noticed he's been quite fixated on the price of Honda Fit in Australia during our, our last hour or so, so I was not surprised that that's what you were going to say. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, all joking aside, I mean, um, the, the person that um, really pushed me to, uh, well, to notice you guys and what an awesome job you guys are doing is uh, on Instagram as a, a very clever title with a really cool uh, yellow um, Honda Fit or Jazz. Uh, whichever model you guys had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, daily driving, since the average person here in SoCal, we commute about 30 or 40 miles every day. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely helpful to have that. So, um, Ying, Tom, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for staying late because I apparently didn't flip the right switch. And... You know, if there's any sponsors, anyone you want to shout out, go ahead and uh, do that now. Awesome. Firstly, thank you so much for having us on. We are absolutely humbled that you would even notice our little series across the world. <laughs> um, so thank you. We really appreciate that. Um, thanks to Brett, a very clever title. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. He obviously uh, told you about us um, mm -hmm. and initiated this conversation. Uh, we've got some sponsors this year, XCD Clutch, or XCD Clutch. I've been told I've been saying it wrong my whole life. Um, we Raz Automotive, who are sponsoring us uh, a set of tyres. Nice. Lycast Toys Australia, um, Ignite Image, and Autosphere, who are supplying some oil for us. So oh. thank you for allowing us to shout them out as well. 
Um, and again, a lot of the guys in those companies, they're just car dudes like us. They they compete in motorsport. They build their cars. So it's really just nice to see the community getting behind the community and even our US friends getting behind us. So thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I, if I ever make my way out to Australia, which is something that I, I do want to do eventually, I'm not sure how bad the flight's going to be. Um, I'm definitely going to be hitting you guys up and hopefully I could time it where... I can go and see one of your guys. It's a Nugget Nationals race. Um, uh, but besides that, I mean, I, I think we, we got a pretty good podcast. And um, if anybody wants to find out more about that, um, I think you have a Nugget Nationals uh, Instagram page. Is that the best way to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram at Nugget Nationals and Facebook and URL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if uh, you look up Nugget Nationals, all one word on Instagram, you can find them. And uh, yeah, it's definitely looking at all of the uh, cars listed in there. They, these are, uh, I have to say, these are my people. Like um, in Australia, you guys are, are making me super jealous. And I am really, really enjoying seeing um, just how much um, the car count is over there and you know, if I was over there, I'd, I'd probably have to swap a D15B7 into my car and uh, try and uh, go out there and join you guys. Again, thank you for your time. Thank you for going over, uh, especially when I made that boo-boo earlier. So um, besides that, guys, um, thank you. And I'll definitely be having you guys on uh, again in the future. And um, yeah, with that said, I will see you guys next Monday. Thank you. Mm-hmm.